0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. The thought that I really felt burning in my heart this morning is one that sort of comes out of lessons that I've learned along the way. And I, I love the idea that God is so gracious with us that He puts up with the fact that personally, I'm very slow of learning sometimes. I have a default setting. I don't know if you've got this where I put things off, things off that I know I should be doing. I know I should be exercising, but I just don't feel like it. I I know I shouldn't be eating this piece of chocolate at 10 o'clock at night, but I just, come on, who's with me? I know I should be doing something, but I don't. And and I get reminded by this in particular, my children teach me and expose me for what's really going on in my heart continually. They have a gift, the two-year-old, the five-year-old, the nine-year-old have a gift to bring out the best in me by exposing what I need to grow in. And I've noticed that I've had a default response to them for too long when they'd ask if I can sit down and play Lego with them, when they ask if I could colour in a unicorn with them, when they ask if I can sit down to have my nails done with them, when they ask if I could sit down and play Hot Wheels with them, I have a default answer that too often I've used. Maybe later. I I don't know if you've ever used maybe later. Maybe later has seemed to be a magical phrase that I've used in my family. Too much where basically what I'm saying to them is no, but I'm saying no in a way that I'm hoping they don't pick up on until much later. Dad, can you sit down and play Xbox with me? Maybe later, son. Really means no way, I'm too busy doing my own stuff and I hope you forget about it later. Problem is my nine-year-old has the memory opposite of a goldfish and continually reminds me even at nine o'clock at night when he's going to bed, Dad, you didn't play Xbox with me today and you said you would. This all came to a head a couple of months ago when we're sitting there, my kids wrangled me down and they had this cartoon that they wanted me to see like nothing else. And so we sat down to binge watch a cartoon together. So I've got my two year old draped over me, my five year old's cuddling me, my nine year old's laying behind me and we put on this cartoon. And this cartoon is about a family of Australian talking dogs with very broad Queensland accents. Not just Australian accents, Queensland accents. If you're watching this in Queensland right now, I want you to know that you have the best Australian accent. This show is called Bluey. And Bluey is amazing. I hadn't seen it before and I sat down and we started binge watching episodes. But it was one of those moments where as we're watching the episodes, a sense of dread started to come on me. And a revelation started to dawn that every one of these 10 minute episodes seem to be about Bluey and her little sister coming up and playing imaginary games with her dad. That he's working at home and they run into the room and they start a pillow fight and he stops what he's doing to play pillow fights with them. That he's washing up and instead of washing up, he gets down and plays a game where they pretend he's Mount Everest and they climb him. And the whole show is about the dad stopping whatever he's doing. To play games, I've never heard Bluey's dad say, maybe later. And so the whole time we're watching, we did like 10 episodes. I felt like the worst dad in the universe. (laughs) Not once did Bluey's dad say, maybe later. So from that day, now I won't say that I'm perfect. I won't say that I haven't used maybe later since. But from that day, I've endeavoured to say Yes, I've endeavoured when asked to stop and play with my kids to say yes. And I gotta say, it's been so much more fun. My thought with you today as we head into the rest of the year, maybe later, may or may not be a default response for you, but it has been for me. And I'm challenged that the heart of God is saying to us today, awakened City, that the time is now that the best time, not just the time, the best time, the best time is now. Now I'm reminded of a portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus goes missing for three days. It's a portion of Scripture where Jesus is 12 years old and it's the only portion of Scripture we have on Jesus from His birth to when He starts His public ministry at 30 years old. We don't know what goes on really between that space of time except for this one moment where his parents, Mary and Joseph, lose Jesus, the Saviour of the world. they just travelled to Jerusalem from their hometown. They've just fulfilled all their obligations and they're travelling back and somewhere along the way, three days later, they realise that Jesus is not with them. Talk about neglectful parents. But they're in a convoy, they were with family, they just assumed Assumption really gets in trouble as a parent. And they run back to the city and they look everywhere for Jesus and they find Him in the temple. There's Jesus sitting in the temple and it says in that portion of Scripture that the religious teachers were amazed at the answers and the authority that He had. To the life of Jesus, we see every opportunity taken to make a significant difference. The time is now. The time is now. Even Jesus at 12 years old, before He starts His public ministry, takes the opportunity. His answer to His parents when they said, where were you? Didn't you know I'd be about my Father's business? That the time is now. The opportunity is here. And when we take it, God moves. And so I wanna challenge us as a church, Awaken City, together and online, that as we move forward into the year ahead, the time is now. The time is now for God to call us, if I could challenge us with some thoughts, to build new altars and meet with Him afresh. To build new altars and to meet with Him afresh. Portion of scripture in Exodus 20, 22, 24 says this And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols. Or silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of earth, and offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar whenever I cause, wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. Now I'm challenged this year as we move forward. The time is now to build new altars to build new meeting places with God, to meet with God afresh. Whether you have followed Jesus for a long period of time or whether you are new to the journey or whether you are yet to begin the journey, the time is now to dig and build new altars. An altar is simply an anchor between heaven and earth. An altar is simply a a place, a time, a location, an opportunity that we create. Notice that God says to Moses, you build the altar, That we get to create to meet with God personally. That God Himself wants to meet with you personally every step along the way. And He does not say maybe later. Now is the time. Now is the best time to build a new altar and meet with God afresh God in designing this with Moses, this way of meeting with him, says, just take what's around you, take it from the earth, take it from the rocks. So the idea of an altar in the Old Testament was that you would look around and you would pick up the stones that were around you, however many you could find, and you would just simply build a location there where you were, just up of unhewn stones that said, you weren't allowed to craft it, you weren't allowed to shape it. I think what God says to us out of that is that He's not looking for perfection, He's just looking for what's available. He's looking for you and I to be available this year. The time is now to say, I wanna meet with you afresh, to encounter Him. Constantly, Jesus would say things like, those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm convinced that God is always speaking. And if I'm not picking up on it, it's usually because I've blocked my ears somehow. How is God calling you to meet with Him this year? And do not accept the lie that He doesn't wanna meet with you. He does, He does. What opportunities is He calling you to dig new altars? Maybe it's hijacking your time in your car. Maybe it's creating space in your morning. Whatever it is, you've gotta create it. The idea is that God will meet with us if we create it, that we set it aside and dedicate it to Him. How is God calling you to meet with Him this year? For some, I know they've been called to engage with the Scriptures like never before and to dig deeper and to meet with God afresh through the Bible. You know, the biggest lie that we can get is that I've heard it all before. Because God wants to trigger new revelations, new understanding that will unlock the next level of life. The time is now. God wants to speak now. He does not say maybe later to us. He says now, and as we dedicate ourselves, he meets with us. The time is now. What else would I be challenged with? The time is now. The best time is now to tear down strongholds and demolish lies. This has got to be one of my favorite portions of Scripture, not because it inspires me, but because it challenges me so much. Out of two Corinthians chapter ten verse three to five, it says. But though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. Christ the best time is now this year to tear down strongholds and demolish lies you know the greatest thing that holds me back in life is the lies that I tolerate the lies that I tolerate about myself the lies that I tolerate about others the lies that I tolerate even about God it's significant that the first introduction we have to the great enemy of our lives Satan Is the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve. And his only weapon with Adam and Eve was Adam and Eve were lies. Twisting the word of God, twisting the heart of God, and causing them to take hold of that instead of God's love. And he still operates as that today. The scripture calls him the father of lies. I'm constantly aware that when thoughts, random thoughts come into my head that would cause me to pull back from God or pull back from people or pull back from the call that He's given me, that that's not God. That that's not even me because it doesn't even make me feel good. I feel terrible. That often that is an assignment from the enemy himself to plant a lie. And if I tolerate that lie, And here's what it means to tolerate. It means to dwell on. It means to engage with. It means to build. What I actually start to do is I actually start to build a stronghold in my soul, a structure in my soul where this lie turns into a massive building. And this massive building is filled with the assignments of the enemy. And I find after time, it happens so quick that I move on and I'm stuck because this massive stronghold of thought is stopping me from engaging with the heart of God. The time is now, not maybe later, now to demolish strongholds and tear down lies. One of the most significant lies in my life came when I was in year six. I just represented my school, West Kempsey Primary, at cricket for the first time. I'd never represented my school before in cricket and I was pumped because I was watching all the cricket that was going on and I wanted to be like Craig McDermott. I don't know if anybody remembers Craig McDermott, but he had a killer outswinger. And I was practising that ball. I reckon I got it on the pitch one out of six times. But in year six, I got to represent my school and I came in and I played cricket for the first time and I took four for 27. I still remember it to this day because I called a family member that night, a family member who I knew loved cricket even more than I did, And I spoke to her on the phone that first game in year six. And I said, I took four for 27. And her response to me was, is that all? You didn't take five? Now, she didn't mean anything by it. She wasn't, come on, she wasn't a terrible person. Although any parent gets a child, come to them and say, I took four for 27. You act over the moon. Don't you ever say, is that all? That's amazing, you took one for a hundred? were (laughs) amazing. Maybe not there. That gave birth to a lie that this person had no idea they planted in me. It was me tolerating it in year six. And this lie gave birth to a stronghold in my life where I believe that nothing I ever do is good enough. Maybe that lie had been there before, but I remember that encounter Planting in me, nothing I ever do is good enough. Caused in me this desire to try my best at everything. And even when I did well, I felt like I didn't do enough. I've always been my harshest critic. Hated myself. So I thought, I'm just not good enough. 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 All of it came from a lie. A lie that I believed. I didn't take five wickets. Sounds stupid. But these lies give birth to structures in our soul. You know, the time is now to demolish strongholds and tear down lies. You might be travelling along, you might be driving, and you might have a thought come into your heart that reminds you of something you've believed about yourself, something you've believed about God, some disappointment that is stuck with you. The time is now to give it to Him. To say, Lord, I'm not that, would you show me what I am? So some of the blockages with people, us in our meeting with God, is that we come to Him and we expect Him to speak, but our ears are blocked with all these strongholds that cause a a, a tension to the flow. And the challenge is, is to embrace every opportunity, to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit, to break down to cry, to get healing, to allow Him to speak into the darkest places of our soul so that He can cause us to come back to life. The time is now, not just to meet with God afresh, but to encounter God afresh in the dark places of the soul so that He can bring life as we move forward. The time is now, the best time is now to live and love on purpose. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. Listen to Jesus. He realised that Jesus had answered well. So he asked of all the commandments, which is most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than this. You know, all throughout the Scriptures, you get these thoughts come up that don't make sense except for a relationship with God. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, constantly refers to himself as a servant of Christ. In a culture where they had slaves, where they had slavery in action, where people were bought and sold. But the word that Paul would often use to describe his relationship to Christ and being a servant of Christ, he'd use this word where it means a bondservant. It would mean somebody who is not owned necessarily, but has freely given themselves to their master. Who isn't obligated, but at the point where they make the choice themselves, has says, Instead of going out from your home, I want to stay with you and I will serve you freely all the days of my life. And I'm challenged that the time is now to love on purpose. To love on purpose. Too often I've, I've gotten confused and thinking that life is about just loving God. But Jesus here unpacks this idea that to live life to the full, it's a two-sided coin. It's not just loving God, it's loving people as yourself. It's loving others like we love ourselves. And you might think I don't even love myself, but we feed ourselves, we care for ourselves, we're aware of ourselves, we rest when we need to rest, we're mindful of ourselves. And so God would call us to have that same heart for one another. And that the time is now to buck against the trend, that the church exists to meet individual needs. It's about us coming together to serve God, but serve one another. That I'm mindful that today we've had people get up at 6am to come in and turn on the sound system for us. That we've had a team come and serve at the coffee bar to give us coffee. That we've had people worshipping and practising, that we've had people even now prepared on service team to do what's ever needed. Connect team. All across the house, there are people right now out there in kids' church who are missing out on this entire service so that they can serve God, but ultimately they're serving our children. And I'm burdened with the idea that life isn't just about what we can get out of it, it's about what we can give. And that as you receive, we're called to pour out. And if we don't pour out, we become like the Dead Sea and we get salty and we get bitter and we get stirred up. and there's nothing that comes out of any worth. The time is now to love on purpose. I love the fact that my little girl, Zoe, you got to understand I did not come from a Christian family. I have no idea how to raise people to follow Jesus. I'm making it up as I go. I met Jesus when I was sixteen. I've no idea how to engage with a two-year-old to have faith. A five-year-old, my little girl Zoe sings songs about Jesus that she makes up while she's going to the toilet. Beautiful songs that don't make any sense, that are very loud. She sings them because somebody loves her enough that they've dedicated their time to serve her in kids' church. It's not coming from me. It's coming from somebody who loves her enough to do that. And I believe we are called to love one another. The time is now to put love into action and on purpose, to engage with people at a whole new level, to see the love of God break through. And I know, I know we're pushing against the trend. I know it's a challenge. I know that we live in a world where everything says, what am I getting out of it? But I know that the truth is God says, as you receive from me, pour out, I am everything that you need so the challenge is the time is now to live and love on purpose. My final thought, if I could submit it to you as we get ready to seal the deal, is the time is now to do the impossible and make a difference. Do the impossible and make a difference. Probably the one book in the Bible I've read the most over the years is the book of Acts. I think it's my healthy addiction that I come back to it continually. I have to come back to it so much because what it does is when I engage with the book of Acts, it shows me what's possible. See, the book of Acts is in the New Testament, it's after the Gospels, after John. The four Gospels deal with the life of Christ and everything that he came to do. The book of Acts deals with those that took hold of the message of Christ and started to do the very things that He did Himself. No-name people, fishermen who had been cast off to the dregs of society, tax collectors who in that culture were considered some of the scum of the earth, people who were neglected and cast aside doing the most amazing things to see the Kingdom of God advanced, all throughout the book of Acts. And in book of Acts chapter eight, there's a portion about a man named Philip who up until those portions of Scripture is a nameless face in the crowd? We know that He is somebody who was around the work that Jesus was doing, who took hold of the teachings. We know that He was somebody trusted by the other leaders because He was actually asked to come into a leadership position. He was promoted from nothing into something. Here's what He was promoted into. Philip, we're gonna ask you to clean tables, to give food to widows, And orphans, and that is your leadership responsibility. You want to be a leader? Serve. We don't know much about Philip. All we know is that he was faithful, that he did it. And we get this portion in Acts chapter 8 where Philip has the most amazing divine encounter. The set cycle to start changing the world. It says that Philip has a divine encounter with an Ethiopian royal official who's travelling from Jerusalem back home to Ethiopia and he's reading through the book of Isaiah in his chariot and he is stuffed because he can't make heads or tails of what he's reading. And Philip has a supernatural engagement with this man where he is invited into this chariot and he unpacks the Scriptures to the point where this Ethiopian royal official who is travelling, not knowing what was going to happen, not expecting anything out of the ordinary, has a revelation that this Jesus is the Saviour of the world. And he stops the chariot It says, here's some water, why can't I be baptised now? And he's baptised, set apart and sealed and he takes the message of Jesus back to an entire nation. From that point it says that Philip is caught up in the Spirit and taken to his next meeting. I'm so challenged that the best time is now to do the impossible, to make a difference. That if we would just be willing Say, Lord God, use me, utilise me, take hold of everything that I have. Make a difference, inconvenience me to see a life changed. God wants to do the impossible through us. For all of us, the only requirement is to simply have the faith to take hold of it. The best time is now. It's not maybe later. It's not yet to come. It's not something we have to wait for. It's not something you even have to qualify for because God qualifies you Himself. It's not something you have to wait to be made better for. He makes you better along the way. It's not something that you have to say, I'm gonna work and one day I'm gonna train and I'm gonna learn how to be a follower of Jesus. No, you just set one foot in front of the other in faith and say, God changed me along the way. And He does, He does, He does. Because in Jesus, we are good enough. In Jesus, you are everything that God wants to work through, to make a difference, to do the impossible. To see worlds shift and change. To lay hands on the sick and have the sick recover. To see situations that are desperate and destitute turned around because of an encounter with the living God. That you had the privilege to be not just a spectator, but a participator in. And so the challenge is, Awaken City, as we move forward into the year ahead, Don't accept the lie of maybe later. Take hold of the now that God has. Build new altars, meet with God afresh. Confront the lies and tear down strongholds. Love on purpose. Ultimately, let's do the impossible and make a lasting kingdom difference. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.